Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Quiet Out Loud. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I want to just verbally say out loud a few things that have been happening on my Instagram account. The topic today will primarily be around gender theory, but then we'll end with just a little bit of, I don't know, I don't know if I'd call it apologetics, but just a little talk about um, religion and kind of how that plays into all of this. So um, guys, I love that social media gives me so much opportunity to kind of expound upon these topics in my podcast. So I get so much great feedback and so many good comments and it gives like so much great content to go a little bit deeper in, um, on the podcast. So if you're someone who follows me on Instagram, it, maybe you've read some of what I'm going to talk about today, but again, like I said, I wanted to say some of these things out loud because the entire reason I wanted to start this podcast was to say things out loud that people are getting canceled for saying, or things that people feel like they can't talk about honestly in our current cultural and political environment, particularly from a Christian perspective. Okay. But before we get started, I do want to mention my sponsor for today, which of course is me. I have been an affiliate with money for five years and my entire family uses their naturally derived hair care, skincare, and wellness products. My personal transformation has been amazing. And honestly, the healing of my hair after COVID this last year has been so good. I am obsessed with their anti-aging skincare line as well. If you want to check out their products, you can join as my personal VIP customer and get 15% off every day, plus other discount opportunities, rewards program, free products, and all kinds of other great benefits. To get started, take the quiz in my show notes, and I will personally reach out to you via text message to answer any questions that you might have. Okay, let's get started for today. So in the first part of the abortion series that I did, if you've listened to some of my previous episodes, we took a look at the spiritual nature of abortion. And yes, today is going to be about gender, not abortion. But I think if you've listened to that episode, it will lay a really good foundation for what we're talking about today. And you will see a common theme of destruction. I really want to tie these things together for you because our current ideas in society about abortion, gender theory, critical race theory, feminism, they are all related and under the same umbrella. And that umbrella is postmodernism. What is postmodernism? Simply put, postmodernism is the belief that there, the belief that there is no absolute objective truth. It believes that anything goes, just do it. Love is love. And probably the best one is live your truth or speak your truth. Postmodernism believes that everything in our world has been artificially constructed by societies. Therefore, nothing is innate and everything can be de deconstructed, torn apart, analyzed, and put back together however we as individuals see fit. From that comes the idea that we need to deconstruct old norms and destigmatize those things that we still view as off limits. Because to postmodernism, nothing is off limits. There are no boundaries. Ideas of right and wrong are just artificial social constructs that we can tear down. I'm going to say something out loud here that I feel like never gets said in the current mainstream narrative, and that is that there is absolute truth. Object objectivity does exist. 
just, and just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something and not everything needs to be destigmatized. I think I've said this before in some of my other episodes, but some things that humans do should have a stigma. Some things should be frowned upon. Some things should be considered shameful, wrong, immoral. Right now, we are currently witnessing the deconstruction of gender. And I use the word deconstruct very intentionally because I want you to recognize that word when you hear it out in the world, on social media or in conversation or wherever, because we are seeing several things in our current society that people are attempting to deconstruct. We have deconstructed marriage. We have deconstructed the nuclear family. Deconstructing your religion has become a popular thing to say that you're doing right now. We're deconstructing that drag queen performances were once adult only entertainment. And of course, as we're gonna talk about today, we are deconstructing gender. We live in a world where a grown man can dress up as a girl by putting on wigs, makeup, and skirts, some bows in his hair, and he'll be called brave. And he'll even be invited to the White House to be celebrated. You know, people get mad at me because I'm not adhering to like this live and let live mindset, um, which again, like live and let live, which is another postmodern worthless slogan. You know what? I would much rather live not by lies than live and let live. The reality is, is that no one is simply live and let live. If you insist that someone call you by your mismatched preferred pronouns, and then you get upset and irate when they don't, you aren't living out the live and let live mantra. You're letting my participation or lack thereof control your emotions. And you're attempting to force me to participate in your truth. If it's your truth and you acknowledge that it's not absolute and it's your own construct, then why is me playing along? uh, Why is me playing along with you and affirming you required? My truth is that your gender matches your biological sex. That's not just my truth. It's the truth, but let's just play the little game for a second. If my truth is that your gender matches your biological sex, why am I not allowed to live out my truth without interference? I'm not asking you to affirm me and my beliefs. Why do you need my affirmation? If everything is, if, if, if everything in society is a artificial construct, why do you need my affirmation? I'm not, I'm not going to, call, I'm going to call this out a few times today, but this is really a self-defeating argument and mindset. If it's your truth and it only depends on yourself to be true, then you should not need any external affirmation from others or society. But out of the other side of their mouth, they argue that gender is a social construct. And because of that, They acknowledge that to at least some extent, your gender is what society says that it is, which is why they want to tear down the societal definitions and force society into their truth. Because for some reason, their truth is more absolute than everyone else's. For these people, society not conforming to their own personal identification labels is outside of their tolerance. We are all intolerant to some extent. And you know what? That's okay. Like a healthy functioning society 
should always have and will always have things that they won't tolerate. Which brings me back to um, this idea that it's okay for some things to have a stigma. And I would, I would argue that most people actually believe this and align to this because the postmodern side wants for absolute truth to have a stigma. You guys, there is nothing new under the sun. All of the things that we are trying to normalize, this has been done before. Like study history and ancient cultures, like human nature is two things. One, it's cyclical that we repeat our same mistakes over and over. And two, it's prideful because we like to think that we've progressed beyond our history when really we're just busy repeating it. Okay, I wanna play the recent Alta clip for you to further set the stage for today. This clip is it's probably a, maybe two weeks old now. So I know that, that in, you know, as fast as things move these days, as fast as the pace of news is, this is like old news, but um, in case you haven't seen it, let me set it up for you. Um, but what happened is Ulta, the uh, makeup company, retail company has started a beauty podcast. And this is from one of their episodes where they have two grown men dressed as women and these two grown men who are dressed up as women are discussing what it's like to be a girl. So let's listen. Stint critique I was getting was like, oh, this girl thinks it's all about makeup, thinks it's like womanhood is all about wearing dresses because I didn't know anything else. I hadn't had an opportunity, babe. Give me a minute. Give me a year. <laughs> That's my plan. So if you listen carefully, in my opinion, he actually argues against himself and gender theory and transgenderism. He says, Dylan says, he was getting critiqued for reducing womanhood just down to hair and makeup. And his defense argument is, well, that's all I knew about womanhood. Give me a year to figure it out. He admits that womanhood isn't just about hair and makeup by saying that, but says that's all he knew of it. So how can he know he's a woman then if all he knew about womanhood was hair and makeup. And he acknowledges that's not all there is to it. How did he identify as a woman without knowing anything else about womanhood except these superficial aspects, these social constructs? He's literally admitting that his idea of womanhood is false while also claiming to be a woman. And there's the asking for a year to figure it out. Like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I thought you knew that you were a woman. I thought it was more like, is it, is it just like some sort of magical epiphany? I thought that the thought that once you decided, like, then you were like, is it an innate feeling? Like, like what's it take to figure it out? Like either you are, or you aren't like in his 365 days. Like, is that all it takes? Like if the idea of womanhood is a social construct that needs to be torn down, then why is it that you need the social constructs in order to define yourself? So I made a skit where the, the skit I made, honestly, I wrote this script for this skit a long time ago. So it doesn't really have anything to do with the Ulta video, but it just kind of plays in well. I actually recently um, refilmed it and posted it to Instagram. So I made a skit where I'm arguing that in order for transgenderism to exist, you have to be able to define male and female, man and woman in absolute terms, because otherwise 
like, what is the trans person identifying as, or what are they working towards becoming? And the reason this is problematic is because if you have to define man or woman in absolute truthful terms, that means that you can't simply just choose to be one because you feel like it. Therefore, gender ideology falls apart. So that's the premise of the video, and I'm not going to play it for you today, but I will link the skit in the show notes. But I really want to walk through some of the arguments from the comments that have come from this video and address them. So the first argument is that sex and gender are different, that sex is biological and gender is a construct. Okay, guys, gender is tied to biological sex. They are linked. Gender is simply language and constructs that represent and point back to biological sex. You cannot separate the two without destroying our language and the way we communicate and our social constructs, which are in place because they are needed because men and women are different. Like, sure, yes, there are social constructs around gender that are ultimately meaningless, like boys like blue and girls like pink. Like, okay, who cares? Like, that doesn't mean anything. But separate spaces for men and women, like bathrooms, locker rooms, prisons, shelters, sports, those are not merely social constructs. Those are protections and they are in place because men and women are biologically different, not because one likes pink and one likes blue. Trying to argue that gender is made is a made up social construct and not tied to sex at all is a self-defeating argument. Then why stop puberty? Why take hormones? Why have surgeries? Are these not attempts to change and alter your biology to be become more like the biological sex that you identify as, human anatomy is not a social construct. If it's a made-up social construct, then you have to admit that merely identifying as a woman doesn't actually genetically make you a woman capable of doing things that only biological females can do. Having a uterus isn't a social construct. The reason people need to separate the ideas of sex and gender is because they know you cannot actually change your biological sex. And if you admit that you can't change that, then you admit that we are so fluid after all. So they have to hijack the word and notion of gender in order to legitimize gender theory. And listen, you can't have it both ways. You argue that gender is entirely a social construct, not related to biological sex at all while also arguing that these social constructs or adhering to these stereotypes actually have the power to change your gender. This brings me to the next comment that I want to address. And I'm actually going to read the comment um, word for word. Okay, so it's, quote, imagine having the capability to break stereotypes, spread equality, and make the world a better place for everyone, but having the ridiculous need to protect your high school anatomy book instead, end quote. Okay, one of the problems that I have with this comment is that they just threw biology out the window. I mean, I guess I do appreciate them at least admitting that they're doing that, that they are just kind of like pushing biology um, to the side. But and, and ultimately, they're saying that that why it's okay to ignore biology is because ultimately they think it's for the greater good. 
They didn't use the exact words greater good, but obviously that's what is implied by saying things like break stereotypes, spread equality, and make the world a better place. There you go, guys. Biology doesn't matter. And you can just throw it out because it will make the world a better place. Like, okay. So there's a a little bit, a, a lot to unpack here. So one, if this is the justification that we can just throw out science because it's meaningless in light of human emotion, that human emotion matters more than science, then I never want to hear about science and politics again. I never want to hear about science and vaccines, for example, and and the politics around that and pushing that from a political standpoint. You can't use science as your argument in one case as your crutch one minute and then ignore it the next, like just as it suits your agenda. And you know what, one thing, and people will probably disagree with me on this, but um, I don't know from the books I've read and the Christians that I'm around, like one thing that I can appreciate about Christians is generally speaking, I don't, I think overall they don't hide from science. I think you can hold on to both science and Christianity. And I've talked about this before. I think it was part two of my abortion series that science and religion are not necessarily in conflict. And if we think that they are, like generally what I see are is Christians trying to reconcile that, not simply just toss the science out. Like they try to reconcile that. And like just tossing it out is lazy. Like saying biology doesn't matter because it's better for humanity. Like this is just a really lazy approach to your argument. And and then like the second part is like, is it is it true that gender theory makes the world a better place? Like, does it actually break stereotypes, spread equality like this person claims? I mean, I, I would argue no. Gender theory doesn't break stereotypes. It actually perpetuates them and gives them extreme power over humanity and society. More power than science or biology, which is because she just threw the biology out. For example, if a 25-year-old grown man named Dylan does things and dresses in a way that is stereotypical of a young girl, that allows him to now actually be a girl, no longer a man. The stereotype for being a girl didn't change. It wasn't broken. It was simply emulated, exaggerated, and given authority to transform a man into a girl. And I want to call something very specific out here. This isn't simply crossing the line between genders. He's actually trying to cross the line between age groups. He's identifying as a girl, not a woman. He does girly things like little girl type things, not womanly things. Now, you've given stereotypes unprecedented power in this case. Okay, so does gender theory spread equality? Again, I would argue no, not not with the current way that it's being handled and presented in our society. Do you know what gender theory is doing? It's it's for the most part, because we kind of really only see, um, we really only see kind of this gender movement of men uh, transitioning to women. I, and I know it, I know it like quote unquote works um, both ways, but generally in our society, like I think mostly what we've seen or what I've seen being celebrated is men transitioning into women. I think there's statistics around that. that That's the more common um, transition. But so what's happening 
from what we see, from what I've seen out in the world is it's replacing women. It's replacing biological women with biological men. And it's giving them jobs. It's giving them awards. It's sending a message of, hey, you know what? This this man, this biological man, they're actually doing a better job of, of at being a woman than than a biological woman is. Because if you read the headlines, like like Rachel Levine got like Woman of the Year, and it wasn't the headlines weren't, hey, this is the trans woman of the year, Rachel Levine. Like if if that was the headline, you might be able to argue that that was some sort of equality. Because this trans person is being acknowledged as being on like equal footing with, you know, biological men or women, but that's not what's happening. The headlines are just woman of the year, not trans woman of the year, just woman. So no, I don't think it spreads equality. I think it spreads misinformation and largely replaces woman, women with men, which is weird because I thought we wanted to eliminate the patriarchy. Rachel Levine being named woman of the year is one example of many. We obviously have the Ulta story that we're looking at, um, where we have the two men dressed as women doing a podcast saying what it means to be a girl and how they're going to be a mom one day. Um, we also have, have headlines that I saw recently about a man that just bought the Miss Universe pageant and is being hailed as the first woman owner. Again, not the first trans woman owner, just the first woman owner. They are literally replacing women with men and everyone's just like, okay, that's cool because this is progress. And this is where we get to um, an argument that I've made before on my social media accounts is that feminism and transgenderism can't actually coexist. And I think, you know, I remember hearing people say this actually a few years ago, but they really, I mean, anytime you say something like this, like you get shut down and you get canceled. Like, I don't care where you fall on the religious or ideological scale, um, traditional, or I guess radical feminism and transgenderism followed through to their fullest extent cannot coexist and be true at the same time. And I think this is why we have yet now another brand of feminism, in addition to wave one, wave two, wave three, wave four, radical, we now have split feminism into radical feminist and liberal feminist, which liberal feminism is basically transgenderism. It just believes that anyone who identifies as a woman is one. And radical feminists do not generally speaking, do not agree with this. So now you have feminism split kind of yet again. But when you you have you have men like usurping biological women and a large group of feminism applauding. Feminism has now become the patriarchy. They are the very thing that they say that they hate. Like they are elevating men. The message is no longer that women can have it all. The message is now that men can have it all. They can have the baby. They can have the womanhood. They can have the feminine beauty. They can have the podcast on how to do your makeup. Like So transgenderism will cost our society classic or traditional feminism as we know it. Or, or feminism will cost society transgenderism if, you know, classic or traditional feminists decide to stand up. But in my opinion, they both can't win the culture war. So no, I don't think gender theory makes the world a better place. I think it makes us more divided and more chaotic because it destroys language. 
I think it undermines decades of women fighting for equality. I think it makes us more sick, honestly, because you're literally enslaving children to the big medicine, big pharma hamster wheel when you put them on the transgender superhighway. That person is now nothing more than dollar signs to those companies. But the argument is, the argument is, well, putting a confused kid or adult for that matter on the transgender superhighway is merciful. It's kind. It affirms them and prevents suicide. So have you heard this suicide prevention argument? Like, let me read um, a comment from that same video. And again, I'm going to read this word for word. So if it's a little confusing, it's because it's a comment from Instagram. So it is, quote, how narcissistic to completely ignore the suicide rates of trans people and feed into it by demanding to use the pronouns that you think they should have. Identity is something everyone deserves and they all deserve to be seen that way. Okay, guys, honestly, like this is emotional manipulation. Uh, it's like saying like, if you don't get the vaccine, you're a grandma killer or aborting babies is merciful because you're saving them from potential suffering in life. These arguments are not rooted in truth. They're simply an attempt to justify your perspective by manipulating someone into feeling guilty. So you shut them up. You argue like these people typically argue against religion. And I can see why they see themselves as the only savior that the world needs postmodernism. That's what's going to save the world. The facts are, is that there, there really isn't like great evidence that transitioning actually helps mental illness. And I'm glad that they can admit that there is mental illness by bringing up suicide, because I really feel like that's some, like that's some common ground where we could have maybe some real conversation. Like, I agree. Like if, 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 you know, if trans, you know, transgender people are high risk for suicide, like, like, let's talk about that. But is transitioning the best way to help them? Like, can we be honest? Like, hasn't, hasn't some of this gone far enough? Like we, we literally have people dreaming up pronouns like ghost. So yes, forcing society to acknowledge that delusion, that's narciss that's narcissistic. Like, because you're asking a whole society to make major modifications to placate a pronoun that could change tomorrow. And honestly, I hate the word deserve that they ended the quote with deserve. Like they, you know, everyone deserves this and that like deserve is such a selfish word to me because honestly, we all deserve worse than what we get. God is merciful to us and that he sent his son to pay the price for us while we were still sinners. And this is where I, you know, bring religion into the conversation and you, you really can't bring religion up in conversations like this. And I want to take a look at what happens when we do that. Again, these are um, other comments on that same video that I really want to break apart for you when you bring religion into this topic. Um, I'm actually going to read, this is a longer comment. So I'm going to read the whole thing to you. And then we're going to just break it apart bit by bit. So this is the whole comment quote, which is it faith or facts? And your entire religion is based off of a man-made book that has been translated through many different languages and whose standard English version was commissioned by a king, a political figure commissioned to have a translation. And we are supposed to believe that there was nothing changed. That would be a first. 
Anyway, believe what you want, but it is so ignorant and arrogant to assume that you are right and everyone is wrong and to take such an arrogant stance as to feel sorry for them. Unfortunately, a very Christian behavior, end quote. Okay, so I want to break down literally every sentence of this argument um, that religion doesn't belong in this conversation and, you know, kind of everything that this, it's a lot to break down, but kind of everything they're saying about religion. Um, Okay. So facts over feelings or fact, faith over facts, like that was kind of their first argument was, you know, are you living by faith or are you living by facts? And here's, here's what I think is a bad assumption that only Christians live by faith. And first of all, faith isn't a feeling, it's an action. It's actively choosing to believe in something regardless of how you feel or what you can see or touch. Equating faith to feelings is incorrect. Um, And we all live by some sort of faith because ultimately none of us are all knowing or omnipresent. You can put your faith in men, you can put your faith in science, you can put it in God, you can put faith in yourself, pick an option or a mix, but regardless, you have faith and you live by it, whether you identify as religious or not. And many people want to live by faith in human feeling and emotion, which is also not living by facts. Our human emotions and feelings are not factual. They lead us astray quite often. Um, Regardless, so many people want to live by faith in human feeling or emotion, regardless of fact, science, or religion. And I, I think this is probably the easiest, flimsiest, most lazy, and most chaotic faith to live by, faith in human emotion, because it requires no discipline, no truth, no boundaries, all while never permit, permitting any questioning or challenges because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings because feelings above all. Okay, let's break down this comment of your entire religion is based off of a man-made book that has been translated through many different languages, uh, commissioned by a king, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so (laughs) the man-made book argument, I mean, you hear this a lot from atheist um, arguments, but the, the, the bad assumption here is, is that Christians don't know this, that Christians haven't researched the origins or the translations of the Bible, and that we're completely ignorant to possible problems. There are so many books on this, so many resources, so many Christians have taken this journey only to prove the overall accuracy and legitimacy of the Bible. To me, it's, it's beyond insulting to assume no Christian knows this information and that you're shedding some sort of new light on their Bible. Like we we've all thought about this. You know, what's super cool about the internet. You can literally look up the Greek and Hebrew and see the translation for yourself. And I, I strongly encourage every single Christ follower to do this very thing when they study the Bible. And I guess my question to someone who has this argument about the Bible is a historical document written by men. How can we believe that it's, it's accurate? Like, then do you not believe any historical documents written, interpreted and handed down by men, or is it just the Bible? People like this typically have a very strong belief in science. So, okay. Um, if you're putting your faith in science, well, what do you, do you believe in scientific discoveries and, and studies from the past? Like those were written, handed down by men, like, and how do you reconcile when your science changes? 
because the Bible isn't changing. Like, again, I can go back and look up the original language and, and meaning and translations. And like, how do you reconcile when science changes? Do you question it? Like you do the Bible? How do you handle when science is contradictory or conflicting or proven wrong with new information? Or since you brought up, oh, the Bible was commissioned by a king. How do you handle it when your science is twisted for political gain? Do you com- continue with your faith in science regardless? Those are the questions that I have. And again, I'm talking to myself, so no one's going to answer those for me, but <laughs> like, okay, let's answer the question that, um, or sorry, let's rep- let's respond to the part of the comment that says, oh, but it's so ignorant and arrogant to assume that you are right and everyone else is wrong. Um, and this is very, you know, quote unquote, Christian behavior. Okay. So the bad assumption that we see here is that Christians, that all Christians think they just have everything all figured out. And by trying to share their beliefs, they're arrogant or condescending. Like, isn't this person doing the exact thing they're complaining about? Like, why is it okay for non-believers to be confident and bold? Are you not also pushing that you're right and I'm wrong? Like, I agree. Christians should be humble, but confidence is not arrogance. Like many Christians have actually wrestled greatly with their faith. They've questioned it. They've held it up to the other options and come to the conclusion that this is the way it would be easier in our culture to not be a Christian. So just to be clear, um, you know, all of this comment that I read from this person, like the video that I made, wasn't directed at them. It wasn't sent to them. It wasn't forced upon them at all. Um, they just stumbled upon it. And then in their arrogance and their rightness and their pity, all the things they're complaining about, about Christians, they felt the need to comment and to scold uh, myself and other believers in the comment section. And as far as this idea of um, this is very Christian behavior, which was kind of their scolding at the end of that comment, like, here's what I will say about that. I find it so fascinating that the most criticism on how to be a proper Christian comes from people who aren't Christian and don't even believe in the Bible. That's like taking medical advice from Bill Gates, which for me, I personally will not do. He's not qualified, nor does he have my best interests at heart. So I'll pass. Like, thank you though, for letting me know that you think I'm not living a a Christian life um, very well, but I will pass on your advice uh, when you're not a Christian yourself. So um, okay. And I do get very, uh, and I do get feedback from Christians from time to time saying like, oh, you know what, I think, I think you're not, you know, I think maybe you're, you're approaching this from the wrong lens, or maybe you're letting some feelings and emotions like control you too much here. Like I take that feedback very seriously because they're also Christians who have my best interest at heart. Okay. But if you don't, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to take your advice. So, and again, like you can exhibit like one of the comments that I get, like, you're not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. Like you can exhibit every single fruit of the spirit towards someone and still hurt their feelings and still upset them. You can be kind, loving, generous, good, joyous, peaceful, patient, gentle, and self-controlled and still make someone unhappy. If you're not saying the things that they want you to say, just as I will not be ruled by my own feelings, I will not be ruled by your feelings either. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 
not for our feelings. And the fickleness of human emotion is on full display at the cross. The very people who praised Jesus as king one day shouted, let his blood be on our hands the next. And if the criteria for a successful ministry is simply to make everyone happy, then Jesus and his disciples, they failed miserably. Let me quote um, Galatians uh, chapter one, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, Paul in the Bible could have said, you know, who am I to share the gospel? Because I am the worst of sinners. I'd better stay in my lane and keep my mouth shut. And you know what? Like, sure, my life has been transformed and Jesus is pretty cool, but like, I don't want to judge anyone or hurt their feelings. That's not what Paul said. Instead, Paul said, who am I not to share the gospel? I am the worst of sinners and his great mercy is on full display in me. Jesus came to save all sinners. So I'm going to let them all know that he is available for them too, even if they might choose to reject it. This is just kind of a summation of first Timothy chapter one. So yeah, telling me that I'm not doing a very good job at being a Christian, like I know this, like I, I know this because I'm imperfect, just like Paul. So when people say things like that to kind of insult my lack of goodness or my lack of Christianity, you know, I have to agree like, yes, yes, I am a wretched sinner, just like Paul, but I'm still going to go out and share the gospel and share Jesus just like he did. Like I'm humble enough to admit that, that I am not perfect. I literally have the words faith and truth tattooed on my wrist as a daily reminder that I never want to forsake either. Okay. I would never pretend that I don't need reminders because I am not above the people who shouted, let his blood be on our hands. Okay, guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I have just been so enjoying, enjoying getting all of your guys' comments and feedback on various social media platforms. Please um, subscribe to the podcast, follow me on social media, check out my YouTube channel as well. Really appreciate you guys. And until next time, thank you.